Hello and welcome to Spotlight on Action, produced by the Healthcare Payment Learning and Action Network, commonly known as LAN. I'm today's host, Frank McStay, Assistant Research Director for Tra Medicare Transformation and Delivery System Implementation at the Duke Margolis Center for Health Policy. The LAN is committed to transitioning more of the health system away from traditional reimbursement systems that rely on fee-for-service and are not linked to quality toward accountable care models that are value-based and utilize alternative payment models, or APMs. The LAN mobilizes payers, providers, purchasers, patients, product manufacturers, policymakers, and many other stakeholders in the shared mission to lower costs, improve patient experience and outcomes, reduce barriers to APM participation, and promote shared accountability. The Spotlight on Action series features land stakeholders and members discussing real-world action and provides an opportunity to highlight land members effectuating positive changes in our health system, from leading on APM adoption to addressing systematic changes related to access and quality. Land stakeholders are actively engaged in improving the health system for everyone. The focus of this Spotlight on Action episode will be the LAN's newest initiative, the Accountable Care Action Collaborative, or ACAC, whose purpose is to catalyze accountable care landscape beyond payment reform and increase collaboration and alignment across key stakeholder groups. Today, we're speaking with the ACAC co-chairs, Jeff Miklos and Leah Binder. Jeff is Executive Director of the Healthcare Transformation Task Force, and Leah is President and CEO of the League Prog Group. In particular, this episode will examine how the collaborative is driving accountable care and intends to provide tangible outcomes and support action to help land stakeholders achieve their own accountable care goals. This conversation will draw on Jeff and Leah's experience and important work in advancing accountable care through their respective organizations. Our hope is that this will inform how organizations can learn from their work and how their work directly impacts beneficiaries, consumers, and patients. Jeff, Leah, great to have you with me today. Great to be here. Thanks, Frank. Great to be here. I want to kick off today's call with the same level set we had from the November summit. Can you tell us about what the ACAC is and how it's different from other land initiatives? Leah, maybe I'll start with you. Well, it has the word action in its title, and I think that is the big difference. Our goal now is to take what we've been learning over the past few years, certainly with the land and other initiatives really uh, across the country, what we've learned about opportunities for payment reform, opportunities for thinking differently about the way the economics of our healthcare system works to the benefit of its patients. And we've learned a lot, and now it's time to work together to make some action, to really see change. Uh, we've seen some change, and I, I, I wanna emphasize, some of that is really heartening and really exciting, but let's bring it together now and see it happen I think at a more dramatic level. And I think that's our goal is, again, is that focus on action. Jeff? Yeah, I think Leah has said it well. I mean, we really are at a point where many healthcare organizations across the spectrum are doing something in value-based care. And it's they're at different places. Uh, and really what the Action Collaborative is about is really to meet those organizations where they are and help them to progress. Uh, the land has been very effective over its eight years in kind of setting forth the goals of value-based care and educating um, uninformed kind of participants about what it takes. But we're now in the throes of making it happen. And this group will be different in that way so it could aid organizations to move forward from wherever they currently sit. Great. I hear you guys 100% that this iteration of land, especially the ACAC, is about action. And so I'm curious, uh, how is it that we're going to advance and accelerate 
that action? How is it that we can advance accountable care in our healthcare system? And how is it that the ACAC is driving action? Uh, Jeff, maybe let's start with you this time. Sure. You know, as we've kicked off the ACAC here in the early part of 2023, our work is really focused on the accountable care curve. And it's a really good structure for organizations to understand how you kind of get from A to B to C to Z, right? And so we can look at whether there's the five different measurement tracks of payment reform, quality, data and infrastructure, multi-stakeholder alignment and design, and advancing health equity, and also tracking the capabilities for the organization to progress through the four phases of advancement. So learning, which we've done and are continuing to do, but now we're investing, aligning, and transforming. And it creates a great framework and a great set of capabilities to make sure folks are finding out where they're, where they're actually doing good work, where they have some rooms for improvement, and how they get to the next level. Leah. Yeah, I, I agree with, with Jeff. It's been interesting to work thinking through the curve. I think that the curve is a really well-designed well model for thinking through the vision for where we're headed, which is transformation, the final act on the curve. Um, I think for LeapFrog and for, for me personally, what's exciting about this is the, in, it's the real central role of quality and equity, which I think of as frankly the same thing. You don't have one without the other, but quality and equity as really this pivotal, pivotal element of what we're trying to achieve because there is no good price for bad healthcare. We need great healthcare. That's the beginning of true transformation in all forms and including payment. Uh, so I think what's really exciting is we're pivoting around quality and we are and, and equity. And then we're looking at these, I think, extremely exciting and very innovative models for transforming how we pay for that, how we recognize excellence, how we uh, how we really begin to think about our healthcare system as like any other industry as one where if you're if you're doing a great job you get paid for that so that's i'm i'm excited about the, the possibilities if we pivot around that excellence that really all americans want and really deserve and i think that's a perfect segue leah into our next question which is at the end of the day all what we're doing is for the patient and to help organizations get to that transformational spot. So if you guys can talk to me a little bit about what is it, how will these organizations and patients benefit from the efforts of the ACAC? Jeff, maybe let's start with you again. Well, I think that there's so much activity that's going on in the space. And we have you know around 30 members of the Accountable Care Action Collaborative that are all kind of involved in developing resources to either support their organizations or for those that are membership organizations, their membership. And I think it's important that we help kind of raise up the and the and create awareness around the resources that the different organizations have developed that help people move forward. Um, to date, the land has really generated some of its own kind of original content to help with learning. But this idea that we now have some of the practical roadmaps from people that are actually supporting this at the ground level, I think will be critically important. And so our ability to kind of understand the resources, raise up those that we think are most useful to helping move people move forward is something I'm very excited about. Leah? I think we do need to learn from each other, just as Jeff said. I, I think it's very easy for us to all go about our daily business in our own silos and not realize everything that's going on around us and begin to draw on lessons learned from others and not have to reinvent wheels all the time. 
to use several different metaphors in one sentence. <laughs> but I think the, the idea is that we we want to learn from each other and we, we, we're going to need to make an effort to do that because it's not it's not sort of natural to always be looking outside your own, you know, your own daily activities to, to see how others are doing it. So hopefully we're going to make efforts together with 30 of these amazing organizations and really learn from each other and then hopefully spread that around to, to everyone uh, so that we are all able to use these best practices that we learn. I, I think I, I will emphasize again what I think is also very exciting is that we're going to learn from each other on quality and equity and how we how we keep focus on that because it's very easy very easy to lose sight of that and to get really caught up in the complexities of the the payment schemes that are out there and the payment models and the contracts which are important very important but uh, i think if we all keep our eyes on that prize on true north another two metaphors in one uh, we keep our eyes on True North, which is the well-being of the patient, and build from there and look at the different payment models and to what extent do they support this excellence? I think that is what we, I think that's where we will succeed together. That's well said. And I think bridging two ideas that we keep talking about here, I want to emphasize that the ACAC is really a diverse coalition that we're trying to meet organizations, you guys are, uh, at where they are at currently. because. Organizations are at different places, and much like this equity focus you're talking about, Leah, um, we need to be really mindful about where all organizations are on this, and I appreciate you guys giving voice to that uh, more broadly. To that end, I think it's really important here, uh, as co-chairs, you guys are seeing as leaders in the industry, in, in your organizations, and you've been focusing a lot on quality and health equity, which we've talked about today. How do you feel that LeapFrog Group and the Healthcare Transformation Task Force work fits into this larger, larger umbrella of what the ACAC is trying to accomplish? And Leah, let's talk with you first. Well, we at LeapFrog have been focused for since 2000, so for 23 years, on quality and, and safety, in particularly in hospitals, now also in ambulatory surgery centers. And we have, that's been our laser focus. And we were founded by uh, employers and other purchasers. We continue to be driven by employers and purchasers, although we are also uh, actively involved with uh, consumer advocates now. But, but employers and purchasers really want to see change in quality and safety. They also want to see uh, payment reform. And LeapFrog has been sort of the arm of purchasers to focus on the quality and safety. But over time, we have seen an evolution uh, among employers, but also in, in the broader spectrum, among providers and among payers, other kinds of payers, we have seen this um, more sophistication and more interest in applying payment to this uh, drive for quality and safety. And so it has become increasingly clear that LeapFrog cannot accomplish its work of driving for quality without also having at least a toe in the water with uh, the newest and most exciting innovations in payment reform, in accountable care, and finding ways to, to uh, uh, assure that there is value in the overall economics of our healthcare system. So that's why we, for us, it's been, it, it being part of ACAC for us is a journey of learning as well, because we really wanna learn from what the best practices are. I've already learned 
a lot just from Jeff, just from having the opportunity to work with Jeff and his broad knowledge of uh, accountable care and payment reform and various perspectives from different stakeholders. And it's been really exciting. And we want to learn more. And we want to help to drive that change and bring purchasers in particular to the table and with specific tools and ways that they can get involved in this transformation. And Jeff, talk to me about how, you know, the Healthcare Transformation Task Force works fits into what the ACAC is trying to do. Well, Frank, there's been just tremendous alignment between the task force and the LAN for the better part of you know, eight years now. And I, I will say that really our only goal in our mission in our organization is to advance value-based care through aligned payment models. Um, and so everything that's in the accountable curve, care curve resonates with the task force. It's things that we work on on a daily basis. I think in the quality realm and the equity realm, it's, it's really important to kind of watch the evolution and the importance. Um, it's clear that health, health equity has to be kind of a core principle in everything we do. It's been a guiding principle of the task force since our inception in 2014. And over the last few years, it's really been interesting in some work we've been doing um, under the, a grant called the Raising the Bar Grant, which was funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and led by the National Alliance of the Social Determinants on Health. And it really took a very broad view about the role that healthcare organizations and practitioners can play in advancing equity. And it's not just in driving clinical care, it's obviously in clinical care, but it's employing and supporting a diverse workforce. It's partnering with community-based organizations and giving them the power to help kind of promote better health in the communities through addressing social risk factors and social drivers of health. And of course, health organizations, usually especially health systems, they play such a prominent role in their communities and being able to share that power to be able to invest in and, and kind of um, align with kind of the goals of, of both public policy, but also investing in the resources in the community to better health equity. And so we really see that as the foundation of everything we do, the complexity around the payment models and some of the other things that are the nuts and bolts of value-based care are things that providers and payers mostly worry about, but it's those bedrock health equity principles and providing quality outcomes that really are the most important things for the consumers and the patients we serve. Great. Thank you. Leah, let's turn back to you. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit more about LeapFrog's value-based purchasing program and and why it's so important, especially to patients and consumers? Sure. We have a program that is called value-based purchasing program that we started actually quite a number of years ago, and it's grown, uh, I think, in intensity and effectiveness over time. What we do is we, uh, we produce composite scores for hospitals. We're working, this program applies to hospitals only, not ambulatory surgery center yet. We'll work there. But we work with hospitals to come up with composite scores that we call their uh, value score, which rates them on quality, uh, overall quality, on measures of safety and quality and outcomes in particular uh, that are directly tied to resource utilization. So are they both efficient and high quality? And so an example would be C-section rate. So we have an excellent measure of C-sections that's on the LeapFrog Hospital Survey. Hospitals that report to that and are therefore qualified to get a value score, uh, we would rate that would be one of the measures in their value score because a lower C-section rate is a far more efficient way of uh, running a maternity care program in addition to being a much higher quality outcome and less risky for the uh, patient. So 
we rate hospitals, we give them a overall value score, and then we give them a value score for certain categories. And those value scores can be scaled nationally or scaled in uh, uh, comparison with others like hospitals. So if you want to know how are rural hospitals doing on maternity care, you can compare them all and say, well, these are doing the top 80th percentile nationally, and these are the 20th percentile nationally. So you can scale them. Uh, what that then allows, once you have scales, which show how hospitals are doing on a composite of these important measures, you're then able to tie payment more directly to that. So you can create incentives, you can create contract uh, programs, you can, et cetera, that can say, well, if you hit over the median on this particular domain like maternity care, then we're going to up your payment by 3% or we're going to give you a bonus or, you know, there's it becomes a, a far easier equation than giving um, a, a payer, you know, 500 different measures and saying, okay, figure something out where you can tie quality to, to, to your payment scale. This allows for a, a, at least taking the quality equation and, and making it more both benchmarks and overall uh, 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 scores that allow for this easier, uh, easier payment. So it's being used by two different um, blues plans right now very effectively. They all seem really remarkable improvements in the safety and quality in their uh, populations. And uh, so we are um, cautiously optimistic that this program has been quite effective and it's the kind of thing we'd like to see scaled even, even more. Indeed, that'd be very valuable for patients to understand the type of value that they're getting from various healthcare partners, access and whatnot. So exactly. Great. Jeff, and I want to return to something you were just talking about, because the Healthcare Transformation Task Force has the Raising the Bar resource guide, but they also have the Building building the Business Case for Health Equity Investment, Strategies for, to Secure Sustainable Support. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that is and what's included in it? Sure, yes. And it really, the Raising the Bar framework was really the jumping off point for us to develop our own internal resource on the business case. And where it came from was kind of the wide acceptance among our members of the framework from raising the bar, but also realizing that while many, including myself, you know, believe that health equity is a moral imperative, that's just not necessarily the case across the industry. We still have to deal with implementing policies like this in the business environment. And so um, as the Biden and Harris administration kind of announced a, a number of different health equity initiatives we kind of set up our own health equity advisory group. And it was really made of our senior executives within our membership who are responsible for advancing health equity within each of their organizations. And certainly in the discussions with that group, they we've, uh, we've raised awareness around the challenges that that can pose on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, you think about things on the terms of return on investment. Well, health equity investments really don't pay off immediately. There really are investments for outcomes that improve over time. And so we started with the concept that you really can't think of return on investment necessarily in its traditional sense, that you think of a return on commitment, right? An organizational commitment to itself, to its community, and to the population it serves. And so as we kind of had that conversation, we really wanted to focus on creating a practical resource um, that could really help organizations understand and educate within their own organizations about you know, the, the benefits of this. And so we think of the, the business case based around three main puzzle pieces. Um, that really are all comprise the process of addressing health equity. So one, making the case for investment uh, by building an evidence-based argument for what the organization should do 
And it's not a one size fits all. That should be tailored to the population that's being served and the objectives that the organization is trying to achieve. And then operationalizing that investment, um, which includes the commitment of governance and leadership and kind of measurable um, protocols for assessing those uh, investments over time, building out necessary workforce and infrastructure to be able to do that. And then always building toward creating an environment where there is uh, driving toward long-term success and sustainability. Quite often you hear of kind of seed money for these type of ventures that then uh, over time get kind of lessened, decreased, maybe even go away altogether, and then the programs kind of die on the vine. So the business case really builds toward an iterative process where all everyone can have ownership in actually long-term success and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and um, an investment to uh, improve the community base. I will say that not within our report, just reference, but the Commonwealth Fund has recently done some uh, great work on kind of thinking about health equity in the context of traditional ROI. And so I would um, offer up for your listeners the uh, the idea that there's now a health equity calculator that they have put out there that actually is really a nuts and bolts evaluation of what the return can be on particular uh, health equity interventions. And so we need to, one, create awareness get buy-in from leadership, but also then over time being able to evaluate the success or the, the long-term sustainability of individual initiatives. You know, can I just add something on the calculator that Commonwealth Fund is doing? And I think the opportunity, once we start to really understand the numbers that are involved in what we're trying to achieve, um, how we can start to see the progress, we are looking, for instance, at equity in quality and safety, which is also tied to direct ROI. So I'm going to use the um, maternity care uh, analogy again, but safety and maternity care is a, a, is a well-known disparity. The, um, for instance, Black women are three times more likely to die in childbirth than uh, white women. So, um, But also there are a number of factors in maternity care, such as C-sections, that also are more common and more commonly performed unnecessarily um, on uh, uh, black women, for instance. And so uh, there are many opportunities within that framework to improve that care and see ROI. Uh, and I think creating a payment formula that rewards excellent care in those areas will have direct impact on the providers as well as the payers uh, and certainly the patients, which is of course the most important part. Excellent. So thank you both for your insights and, and the great work you're doing, not just at the HCAC, but at the LeapFrog Group and the Healthcare Transformation Task Force. So before signing off today, we've covered a lot of ground, but I'd like to give you the opportunity to give us any last thoughts, any comments that we didn't get to today, topics that we didn't get to today, so that our audience understands the value of accountable care and the value and the actionability of the ACAC. So Jeff, maybe let's start with you. Well, sure, Frank. I, I just would, first of all, acknowledge, I think, the evolution of the land's perspective on moving forward in value-based transformation. Um, so much has focused, including at the task force, on how you measure kind of organizational progress toward these goals. And it's at least initially focused on the kind of the spend, as it were, that payers and providers were making in value-based models. I think the evolution of the curve, where now payment reform is just one of five concepts that really drive value-based care has shifted this from a value-based payment conversation that affects payers and providers to a value-based care conversation that really affects purchasers and consumers more directly. So I, I think that's really important um, because you can't have one without the other. 
Um, the other observation I'll make is an opportunity, I think, that we all still have, and that is to better educate consumers about the benefits of value-based care for them. Um, that remains, in my opinion, largely an unmet opportunity at this point. Um, and it's really important that we kind of think about how best to focus on what that means for them. So is it greater affordability due to reduced or waived cost sharing? Is it, you know, greater access to coordinated care so that they're not exposed to unnecessary or duplicative tests? Obviously, a lot of the efforts focus on reducing low or no value or low or no value care. So those are really important. Um, but also many do not understand that the value-based care model really does seek to put a greater focus on, um, on social drivers of health so that actually people can live their healthiest lives and not access the system maybe as often as they currently do. And so I think really talking about those as the drivers resonate with the patients. We should stay away from talking about payment models. They're complex enough for the people that are involved in them. They certainly have the the, uh, the ability to make the consumer eyes gloss over very quickly. But uh, the task force is actually working on a resource we'll, we'll release later this year that's really talking about consumer engagement, really trying to meet them where they are so that we can talk about the accountable care concept in a way that will resonate with them and will better inform them so that they can ask better questions of the healthcare delivery system that serves them. Wonderful. And Leah, your thoughts on how you think we can reach patients so that they understand the value of accountable care and, and what the ACAC can do? The way to reach patients and purchasers, I will add, is action. And that's what we're doing. And that's why this is the ACAC. We are about action. They, I don't think that a uh, description of the importance uh, is going to appeal to either purchasers or uh, or consumers, at least in my experience. But um, I think as Jeff and I have talked about many times, what will appeal to them is actually seeing the effect of this on their lives. So my focus has always been at LeapFrog patient safety and uh, patient safety often is the best example. Uh, that it's the third leading cause of death in this country is death from preventable errors and accidents in hospitals. We can do much better than that. We can create payment structures that actually reward those who are making the effort that it takes to reduce these errors and accidents. And that will have an immediate impact on the lives of tens of thousands, if not millions of people. That is something, for instance, that we can do when we commit to action. And that's why this is so important to, to me, but I think it's so important to purchasers and consumers. Once we start acting, we will show them this will affect your life. This will matter. And that is what we have to be committed to because I think ultimately that is what it, that's what we're all about. We have one life to live, each of us. And this is what this is what it's about, is making a change that carries a legacy to future generations. And we can do that if we commit to action. Jeff, Leah, thank you again for joining us today, but unfortunately we are out of time. We look forward to everyone joining us here again in the future at Spotlight on Action. In the interim, please sign up for the newsletter on the HCP LAND website, where you can find out more information about the LAND and the ACAC more generally. Jeff, Leah, thanks again.